0: Hello and welcome back to the Doomtime Podcast. Today is the very first in our series of mini-casts. Because I'm a solo creator and I do all the editing and copywriting and uploading and, and thumbnail designing myself, I unfortunately don't have the capacity to have a guest on every single week. But what I do have a capacity for and what I do have a huge passion for is reading books and discussing various topics. So I decided that what I'm going to do is, at least every other week, I'm going to upload a shorter episode of the Doontime Podcast, roughly 30 to 45 minutes. And I will choose a book that I've read that I found interesting, or a topic that I believe that we should all be aware of and discuss together in order to improve all of our lives. When I was thinking about which book to start with, I came across quite a, a vast selection of choices. But I chose one that is going to be the most divisive, And one that perhaps made the biggest change, shock, revelation. One book that I found very interesting. A book that I personally, if you asked me a year ago, would never even think about reading. We're going to start off with the Quran. A bit of a preface. I grew up in Slovenia. I still live here and most people in this country are Christian. Most people in this country... Uh, read the Bible, if they do read any kind of literature related to religion, um, they believe in, in Jesus Christ, and um, most people equate him to be uh, the God rather than just a Messiah. Um, they go to church, they go to mass, they uh, create different types of of um, rituals, or dare I say, some types of, um, I want to say there's achievement, but there are achievements within the actual process of going to the church. I'm not familiarized with any of that. I was never um, baptized. I never went to church outside of a funeral or a, uh, a wedding. And when I last year thought about actually reading something related to religion, I figured that perhaps what I should start with, rather than the literature that is so familiarized here, instead read something from a different culture. When I was a very little kid, I actually was a huge fan of Buddhism. I thought that it was the most Uh, cleanest of religions, because it felt like there was no wars associated to Buddhism. They felt very, you know, sort of neutral and in their own ground. Um, But alas, that that sort of went away. And I think while Buddhism still has a lot of attributes that I like, um, it's not 100% a religion that I understood. Um, I think that the whole idea of being in a Zen place and and meditating all day long in some temple isn't quite how I envision life. Um, There's other religions, there's old-fashioned religions, you know, you could look into, for example, uh, the way that the Greeks or the Romans cherished different gods. There are various subtypes of Christians. There's Mormons, there's Jews. But the religion that I understood the least, the religion that I heard the most negative sayings about, and the religion that I had my interest peaked due to addictions, particularly... Became Islam. The thing that helped was that many of you know that last year, late in December, actually, I visited Dubai for the very first time. Um, I went there uh, to do some commercial shooting, and it was a very busy two and a half days that I was there, but I got to see a different part of the world. Now, rest assured, Dubai isn't the proclamation and description of what Islam stands for. I'm very well aware of that. It is just one city in one country, which is very pro-Western, where I got to visit a mosque and I got to sit there and and sort of meditate for a little while. But the experience was actually quite rejuvenating. It felt quite good. I picked up the book, this Quran in English, uh, I think somewhere in the middle of last year. And I picked it up because I wanted to see what it was like. I wanted to see what was in that book. And then I just put it on the shelf and it was just sitting there, staring me in my face. But when I returned from Dubai, and I was analysing the year, right, the 12 months, uh, my 52 weeks of self-improvement, and I realised that so many things had happened that I think could hardly be explained without some sort of religious presence, I thought, you know what, I feel the need to start reading this book. And I picked it off my shelf immediately, and I read um, one chapter. Just, I just read one chapter... And I said I was going to read one chapter per day. And so every night before I'd go to sleep, I would read one um, chapter in the Quran. It took me about a month and a half to read the whole book. And in the process, I actually wrote out plenty of different quotes. In fact, 80 quotes from the entire book. So in, I think it's 275 pages. I found 80 such quotes that I found were quite interesting for me to, to write down and to sort of have a look at. And... My desire is for us to go through these um, through these quotes and try to understand what it is that religion stands for, what it is that the Quran particularly stands for, and then maybe have a bit of a wrap-up discussion whether or not um, Islam is a religion that would fit me or some other people, and whether or not this is something that, that makes sense. But the prefix of all religions is they're based around some sort of fear, the fear of not making it into the afterlife. Um, The afterlife, the heavens, uh, in the case of the Quran, in this case, is translated to the hereafter. So the hereafter is what stands for heavens. And for example, one quote here that just pops into my head, it says, the worst creatures in God's view are those who disbelieve. They have no faith. And I personally fully agree with this. Now, even if I take God out of the equation here, um, I think everybody believes. We all believe in something. Maybe we believe in ourselves. Maybe we believe in our um, ancestors. Maybe we believe in our parents, in in the woman we love, in whatever it might be. We have some sort of belief system. what's beautiful is combining the belief system with something greater. And what I loved about Islam particularly is it's an extremely strict religion, right? Having grown up in a... um, Christian environment, I was bombarded also with information in history books regarding what people were doing in these lands. And I developed a lot of hatred towards the church. So not necessarily towards religion, but towards the infrastructure and, there I say, the political system that surrounds religion. And it led me to actually hating the idea, the concept of God for me was forbidden. And This all goes back to my granddad. So my granddad passed away two years ago. Um, He was my favorite person in the world. And shortly after he retired, he was struck by a stroke. And it left him to a certain degree incapacitated. He wasn't able to uh, talk very much. He wasn't able to really convey, move, travel. Um, It felt like a part of him was lost. And luckily, he played chess throughout his life. And chess became one of the ways that I was able to communicate with him, sort of lay out our emotions on the chessboard. But when I looked at this man's life and realized that he grew up in complete poverty, that he was, he went through such hardships that I cannot possibly imagine, um, that most of us could never really fathom. And he went through all that hardship, worked so hard to create a family, which then gave birth to me, and in the last third of his life, the the third of his life where you would imagine that he now can finally settle down, relax, and, you know, enjoy the fruits of his labor, he's struck by a stroke, and it changes everything, and I felt so angry at that time, with this concept of God, thinking, how miserable are you that you exist, and you've bestowed this hell upon this man that did nothing but good for the world, and at that moment, I I wasn't just an atheist, but I was starting to become a hater. Not, not just a disbeliever, I became quite vigilantly aggressive towards the concept of God. Later I discovered that agnosticism existed. And agnosticism is, the way that I understand it, um, this explanation of there is no God because a God could not possibly exist, therefore... There's no entity for me to even believe in. And I found that sort of easier to accept because if there was no God to believe in, then there would be no God for me to hate. And that would relieve me of some of my anger that I felt towards some entity that caused harm on my granddad. But when life happens, I realize that certain things occur. Not all good. In fact, most of them bad. Most of them are bad perceived in the moment. If I look back at my life and some of the greatest things that happened over the past 10 years, most of them were bad things. Breakups, accidents, diseases, pain. And now they look back at it through a different lens, they no longer seem to me as bad. They're just moments in life. Obviously, my granddad is not here for me to ask him whether or not he's content with the idea that he got a stroke, which reduce his capability and enjoyment in the last third of his life but I think if that hadn't happened then my life and lives of so many other people would be entirely different and I believe that everything does happen for a reason everything has some sort of a silver line you know a thread which just goes through the fabric of reality whether you call it faith or you know some time of ultimate determinant, whether this is the the universe crafting it, I think some of these things are just made the way they are. And when I look back at these moments, I don't get angry anymore. I feel content, I feel at peace, knowing that if what is written in this particular book is true, then this man, in some way, shape or form, is somewhere better off. And I find that there's beauty in the idea of believing. The way that, in particular, the Quran is written is that it describes religion, belief, as a journey. We all sin. We all make mistakes. Small ones, big ones, massive ones. What I like is that they describe how a person can actually repent minutes before they die. But it all boils down to Who are you, and what are your intentions in the eyes of God? The way I think of it is that every human is a book, and when the moment comes, when the time is set, your book will be read. I don't know if you're the one who's going to be reading it, or somebody else will be reading it, or God will be reading it, or that book will be read through in its entirety, all your secrets, all your sins. All the good actions, the bad actions, all the doubts, the regrets, rejections, everything you ever felt or did or thought about doing will be in that book. And I don't know how exactly will we be judged. Is it a sum? Is it an average? Is it a median? We don't know. But I like to think that at the end of your life, that book should be very, very big many pages, many beautiful pages, perhaps illustrated, colourful, playful, and the only person that writes that book is you. You get to choose what gets put into those pages of your own history. The the concept I should have thought about, actually I should have talked about this at the very beginning of this mini-cast, but I've never had... In case this wasn't clear enough from the introduction, I've never had any contact with religion whatsoever. Like, my knowledge of religion up until a month and a half ago was zero, of all religions, not just the Islamic religion. In fact, I I know very little, because I wasn't very interested. And I think that's a good thing, because now at the right age of 26, I have a lot more capacity to understand and use the cogs of my my memory, and all the things I've learned so far, to be very, how dare I say, selective, thoughtful, and judgmental of what I read. I find that the fear of religion is that a lot of people are put into it very early on, when they're very young and perhaps susceptible to certain factors that aren't 100% good. Because how can we know that a child at that very, very ripe age is going to be prepared for the intensity, for the sheer vastness of religion, for example, and all of the, all of the information that's written there. Let them laugh a little and weep much in recompense for what they used to earn. The way that the Quran is written the way that I interpret this is that people live lives and they earn something. Some people earn a lot, some people earn very little. But everything you earn will be paid back to you in its full when the time comes. And so you'll be paid in full whether you're going to hell or whether you're going to the hereafter. And so the people that are currently... Enjoying themselves a little bit too much. And it's not just the pleasure that's been described here, but rather the action of being a disbeliever or being um, you know in, in the falsehood, then what's created is that you're creating a debt, right? You're going to be earning something, but the thing you're going to be earning will be very, very painful. Do they not see that they are tested once or twice every year? Yet, they do not repent and they do not learn. Tested once or twice per year. How many of you have had a moment in the last year that felt like a test? That felt like you have to make a decision, a hard decision, right? These things are never easy. These tests that are being put in front of us, and whether you believe this is God giving you the test, whether you believe this is just life, the universe is throwing them at you, these are tests. I like to think of it like little ones. Perhaps you get tests like this daily. Something happens in traffic on your way to work. How do you react to it? Positively? Negatively? Hatefully? Fearfully? I believe this. I think that you do get tested once or twice per year, perhaps more times. Those big moments. Every year, at least one event happens in your life where you have to make. A very difficult decision, most likely on the spot. And I think, yeah, you very well will be judged by someone, depending on what type of choice you actually make. And be patient. God will not waste the reward of the virtues. So again, we get back to the Understanding of faith, the understanding of belief, the understanding that if we do the right things, we will too be paid back in its fullest. Is he who creates like him who does not create? It's a very good question. In this case, he's referring to God. Right. In, or in this case, I guess it's God referring to himself, if we believe that God was actually the one who wrote this book. But is he who creates like him who does not create. I think of this in the sense of this, content creation. Right? I take it quite literally. Is the person who is viewing this podcast the same as me who's creating the podcast? Is the amount of effort required to view it and critique it and hate on it or love it and enjoy it? Is it the same as the person who had to go and read this particular book, record this particular episode, edit it, distribute it throughout the world? In this effort, are we equal? Something to think about. So travel through the earth and see what the fate of the deniers was. Beautifully written beautifully written. Again, let's interpret faith of the believers. Let's not say this is regarding religion. Let's just imagine that this is anything. Let's say this is belief of success. Believe that you will make a lot of money. And then the question is, where are the people who believe that they couldn't make a lot of money? Probably not among those who are wealthy. Enter the gates of hell. To dwell therein forever, miserable is the residence of the arrogant. This is so beautiful. For those of you who know my story, you know that when I created The Orange Doom, when I created this character, I went through all the process of being arrogant. That was one of the biggest things I ever did. And reading this now warms my heart, knowing that that arrogance that I once had was evaporating. Now, whether it's going to ever fully disappear, fully evaporate, is is unknown to me. But I'm doing my absolute best to not make my residence the residence of the arrogant. When we intend for something to happen, we say to it, be, and it becomes. Again, perhaps this is relating to the fact that God is almighty, and if God wants to make something, he just makes it. But I think that same power is in our hands. If we really want something, and we decide that we're going to get it, or do it, or attain it, or achieve it, then we need to believe in it. This is a br- brilliant print set that's also described in the book Think and Grow Rich, another one of the books that's 100% going to make it on the list of these minicast series. Beautiful. A brief enjoyment, then they will have a painful punishment. Life is a blip. We all know this. The average span of a human now is probably closing into 80 years. I'm 26. I've lived through one quarter of my life. 25% of my life is gone. Another 30% of my life will be spent sleeping and hopefully dreaming as much as possible, which leaves me with two-thirds of those 64 or so years. Not a lot of time. Um, Actually, 54 years, now that I do the math again. 54 years, not so much time. A brief enjoyment, that is. The description of heaven and hell, or in this case, hereafter and eternal hell, is that we don't quite understand what eternal means. The human mind, I don't think, is quite developed enough, and never will be, to fully understand what infinity means, what eternal truly stands for. And what's so beautiful about religion is that it teaches you to be sacrificial in the moment, to sometimes sacrifice enjoyment of this brief time, so that you can enjoy the bountifulness of the hereafter. But the way they I understand it is, I don't look at hereafter necessarily as my life. But I look at hereafter as the lives of the people who I am going to be putting into this world. My future children. The people of planet Earth as we continue. What if that is the hereafter? And what if this brief enjoyment that I have today is actually destroying the lives that my future generations will live. Again, I think it's beautifully written. The perception of it, though, has to be sometimes skewered so we understand that it could be talking about far more than just some type of imaginary place where we all go and we (laughs) live for all eternity. It is not for God to have a child. This one I found interesting, because the difference between Islam and and Christianity, for example, the, the biggest difference is that in Christianity, everything circles around Jesus. In Islam, however, Jesus is just one of the messengers, one of the the people who were sent here in order to prove to people that there is something greater than them and in order to get them to believe. Islam is extremely strict towards idolizing, idolizing messengers such as Jesus or Moses but also idolizing anyone else. Pop stars, rock stars, actors. Which I found very interesting. Because we all have our idols. I know when I was growing up, I looked up to a lot of people. But here it is strictly forbidden. There's only one person you should ever look up to. And that's God. And then obviously there's the hierarchy within the family, where father of the house is, is on top of that hierarchy. And, and that sort of builds some sort of a pyramid. But... There's only one God. Don't think about the the messiahs and the uh, the prophets and the the messengers. It's it's a very, very strict system. Very strict system. And a part of me enjoys that because it's definitive. It doesn't leave room for a lot of question marks, right? It's one God. It's not for him to have a child. It's however you want to interpret it. Again, for me, it simplifies manners. Right, I used to follow a lot of the the, the Greek, the Greek gods. I find that quite interesting, Zeus and Poseidon and, and Ares and whatnot. Um, but I think, on the grand scale of things, that could become quite problematic. You know, if you're a believer, who do you pray to? Who do you ask for assistance when there's so many of them, potentially fighting among each other? But, as it is, um, that's the beauty, I think, of religion. You get to choose what you want to believe in and why. Um, Among the people is he who argues about God without knowledge or guidance or an enlightening scripture. The interesting part is that we are not very educated on religion. Um, Obviously, I beg the question to everybody out there, was religion part of your schooling system? Chances are it wasn't. Chances are that if you were brought into a church, right, or into religious um, atmosphere at a very early age, then that is something that you've stuck to until now. Or perhaps some of you have have broken away from that um, and and just said, I'm not going to follow this, this is not my thing. But very few people are able to, uh, later down the life, actually make these changes, make switches and decide for themselves. A lot of us do, in fact, walk around the earth claiming something is or isn't true. And again, I'm going to take this out of context. Among the people is he who argues about God without knowledge. Among you are people who argue about things, anything, without knowledge. You argue about food, about culture, about taste, about sleeping patterns, about behavior, about food that you eat, about the exercises that are best for your body. We argue about a lot of things, even though we may be among those who don't have guidance. Here's an interesting one. Moderate your stride and lower your voice. The most repulsive of voices is the donkey's voice. (laughs) Um, Yeah, unfortunately for the donkey, uh, it seems like the guy who was writing this book didn't particularly like him. Um, But there is something to that, something about the stride and about lowering your voice that makes sense, right? It's respectful. But it's also powerful in its very own way. I think that's beautifully, beautifully written. One of them will say, I used to have a friend who used to say, are you one of those who believe that after we die we become dust and bones? We will be called to account. He will say, will you have a look? And he will look, and he will see him in the pit of hell. He will say, by God, you almost ruined me. Again, the description here is regarding somebody observing a person that they knew, who did not believe, who did not live life according to his best intentions, and is now being viewed from above as he is in the pits of hell and this is something that we see with addictions we see people who are aware of their addictions they're aware of their disbelieving in this case right lack of faith and they end up in the pit and we observe them and it's very likely that you could you could find yourself there you know i know that at least once or twice in my life i was in that pit i was in that temp- temporary place of hell and when i was reading this book it really teleported me back in there Um, Except that this time it was at the end of my life and for a full eternity. And when you get that feeling, you start to look at things again, just ever so slightly, ever so slightly differently. When some adversity touches the human being, he prays to his Lord, repenting to him. But then when he confers on him a grace of his, he forgets what he was praying for before, And he attributes rivals to God in order to lead astray from his way. Say, enjoy your disbelief for a little while. You will be among the inmates of the fire. There was a joke um, that I heard in a stand-up comedy one day, which was even the most disbelieving, a-religious people will be sitting on a plane and turbulence comes and the plane starts to shake vigilantly. They all start to pray a little bit. It's like, oh God, don't let me die here. It's like, oh, now you believe. And I think that is such a painful way to live. It's, again, let's take God away from the equation, right? Let's say you have a friend. And your friend is struggling. And you help him. You offer him a helping hand. And you you fix him. You save his life. You improve his his quality of life, and then that friend starts to get better, and claims that something else helped him, that some other entity was the one who actually gave him the helping hand. It's not that it would hurt me because my ego, because of a lack of thanks, because of a lack of acknowledgement. But can you see how that is something very, very evil almost to do? To disregard that which actually saved your life. And I think all of us are guilty of this to a certain degree. All of us have been in positions where we said, you know, something was about to happen or something had happened. We were waiting for results or something. You know, you, you had an exam and you're like, just, oh, please don't let me fail. And then you don't fail. And what do we do? We forget all about it. We forget all about that to whom we prayed. And in case that doesn't happen, well, clearly he doesn't exist. Clearly the belief doesn't exist because he didn't do it. Good and evil are not equal. Repel evil with good, and the person who is your enemy becomes like an intimate friend. But none will attain it except those who persevere, and none will attain it except the very fortunate. I find this so very beautiful because I have learned to love my haters. They say if you don't have any haters, then you're not doing it well, right? You're not successful unless you have somebody who hates you. But it's the people who hate, it's the people who disbelieve, it's the people who are most angry and in some way innocently arrogant, innocently, um, innocently ignorant of what you're trying to say that will go after you. And if you're able to convert them, then that's a beautiful thing. The human being never tires of praying for good things. But when adversity afflicts him, he despairs and loses hope. Again, everything comes back to faith, right? It's the process of never losing faith. And those of you who know very religious people, um, I'm not one of those people. And perhaps I never will be. I'll, I'll probably never be able to fully attain that level of of faith, but... I know of a lot of people who have such strong faith. Who live in such... poverty, You know, in such adversities, and hard times, and hard environments, and wars, and famine. And they're happy. They'll never forget about the taxi driver that I met in Dubai, because... despite despite his life not being something that most of us would strive for, he was happy. He was content. Despite the long hours and the... difficulties that he faces... Being separated from his family, they're back in Pakistan. You know, despite not earning a lot of money, he was very content with his life. And I could feel it in him that he believes, that he has faith. You don't have to ask that person whom he believes in, or what his faith is, you can just feel it. That's the beauty, I think, of faith. And this is something that I want you to, to keep in your mind is this is a video regarding the quran because that's the book that i read but we could do the same thing with the bible and many other religious books or many other mindsets it's the belief that's important Um, although yes in this case it is very strict when it comes to the quran because like we said before there is only one god and those who disbelieve they will be cast into the eternal fire on the day when we will say to hell are you full It will say, are there any more? It's a big place. A very, very big place. It is most hateful to God that you say what you do not do. How many of you are guilty of this? Not to God, to you. It is the most hateful that you say what you do not do think about it think about that for a minute how many of us do that they have no knowledge of that they only follow assumptions and assumptions are no substitute for the truth another thing we're all guilty of we assume we assume somebody is some way because of their behavior because of the way they dress because of the way they talk because of their mannerisms we put them into into a drawer and we substitute assumptions for the truth. Like a donkey carrying works of literature. <laughs> this was just... I don't know what it stands for. I just found it quite funny. Like a donkey carrying works of literature. Um, yeah, M- make of that, make of that whatever you want. Every soul is hostage to what it has earned. Again, that goes back to the beginning. He who hates you is the loser. Beautiful. Simply put, one sentence, 100% true, makes an entirety. Abundance distracts you until you visit graveyards. Indeed, you will know. Certainly you will know. If you knew with knowledge of certainty, you would see the inferno. Then you will see it with the eye of certainty. Then on that day, you will be questioned about the bliss. I think about those first three sentences. Abundance distracts you. Something we have a lot of in the modern world. And many of us are distracted. Until you visit the graveyards. Think about the emotional... Aspect. how do you feel when you walk into a graveyard and you will know that you too will very briefly in a blip also be in that graveyard have the people supposed that they will be left alone to say we believe without being put to the test So you believe in something. You believe that you're going to get that goal. You believe that you're going to ace the exam. You believe you're going to get the job. Do you really think that the universe, life, God, isn't going to put a couple of obstacles in your way to see if you really deserved to get that? I think that's beautifully written. How many want to be left alone? I believe, without being put to the test. Very interesting. And we made some of them, we made some of you tempters to one another. Will you be patient? Your Lord is always observing. Again, tests. Right? So if some of us, some of the things that happen in this life, are tempting. They're tempting so that others can be tested. Now, what happened to the tempters, I don't know. I would assume that this is all balanced out, but again, a wonderful way to think about it, because we are constantly tempted by things, right? Distracted by abundance. Very beautiful. Very beautiful. Successful are the believers. Those who are humble in their prayers. Those who avoid nonsense. Those who work for charity. Those who safeguard their chastity, except from their spouses or their dependents. For them, they are free from blame. But whoever seeks anything beyond that, these are the transgressors. I think it's beautiful. I could sum that up with one word. Family. Whoever is guided, is guided for his own good. And whoever goes astray, goes astray to his detriment. No burdened soul carries the burdens of another, nor do we ever punish until we have sent a messenger. This I found so incredibly powerful because, listen to what they're saying. We do not punish ever until we have sent a messenger. The way, the way that I interpret this is there's a test. Until you have been thoroughly tested by the universe, by God, by whomever you believe in, until you've gone through that test, you won't be judged. Right? But failed that test, that's when the pain starts to happen. And I think if most of us look back at life, you'll find that the times of misery, the times of, of the biggest amounts of pain we ever created on ourselves was when we failed the tests for a prolonged period of time where several tests were put in front of us and we failed them all and we started to snowball into the negative and yet all of us have crawled out of that and likely it's because we believed very much it's likely because we had some sort of belief there are many other quotes that are in this book many that I haven't read, many that are quite brutal. The way that the hereafter is actually described um, is, is quite painful. The description, drinking boiling water in hell, that's a, you know, And they used to say, when we are dead and turned into dust and bones, are we to be resurrected? And our ancient ancestors too, say, the first and the last will be gathered for the appointment of a familiar day. Then you, you misguided, who deny the truth, will be eating from the tree of bitterness, will be filling your bellies with it, will be drinking on top of it boiling water, Drinking like thirsty camels drink. That is their hospitality on the day of retribution. It's brutally written. Can you imagine just the concept of it? Being thirsty like a camel in the middle of a desert and made to drink boiling water. Horrid, horrid feelings. But that is the base of religion. One of the concepts of it, like mentioned in the beginning, is fear. And without this concept of fear, we cannot have obedience. Is there a workaround? I do not know. I think that at its core, a thoroughly believing person will be able to make the difference. Somebody who truly believes won't be thinking or focusing on the fear part of his belief. I have nothing to leave you with because, like I said, religion is a very unfamiliar topic to me. It's an environment into which I am only just now began to make baby steps. And reading the Quran was an extremely positive experience. I will leave you with this thought. The words Allahu Akbar were something that I heard many, many times portrayed in videos, in movies that I thought had some sort of vile, evil war meaning because it was often referred from terrorists making some some terrible actions and they would scream those words in their final moments and I associate those words with something terrible. But the literal transcription of Allahu Akbar is just God is great and when I understood that and learned that as basic of an information as that might be I started looking at it slightly differently because it's simple you're thanking an entity by acknowledging that they are above you that they're greater than you and they have power over you and I think what religion does is it creates a certain level of humbleness Humbleness that most of us are otherwise unable to attain. Or we have to look towards idols to try to be humbled with. But usually with our idols comes abundance. Sin. Greediness. Gluttony. And ultimately pain. If there's anything you take away from today... Is that belief, whether it's attached to a religion, to a God, to an entity, is one of the most important things we have. And if you don't have a positive belief, then it's time for you to start changing it. Because if you don't believe, then what really do you have? Nothing in life comes out of nothing. All was made... By us, by some greater power, by the universe, by faith, and by time. Don't just sit there and wait for it to happen. Believe, make positive actions. And let's all make this blip of our life, this moment in time, in existence, a beautiful one. And let's not just think of, our hereafter our heaven but the future of those that will replace us until next time thank you